throat, so continue to remember him in your prayers. And also Jennifer Parker is home with Jeff, and he's uh, doing all right. He's a little bit sore, so continue to remember him in your prayers. And baby Easton is in the house, so we're glad to see Mackenzie and Mason here and the baby is come so go look at that baby and give him a hug I'm ready to see that little baby myself so is there anything else Eddie we good we ready oh man I'm excited about this lesson y'all so turn to first John chapter 3 and we're going to go ahead and get started first John chapter 3 verses 4 through 10 1 John chapter 3, verses 4 through 10, the Bible says, Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Verse 10, in this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Last week, we talked about what a blessing it is to be called children of God. And would you say amen to that one? Because that is a great and incredible thing. And if we are children of God, then we should be abiding in him. And if we're abiding in him, we have made an obligation to walk just as he walked. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, and we've looked at this. It says, he who abides or remains in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. We have an obligation as children of God, if we say that we are his child, to walk just like Jesus. But how did Jesus walk? Did he just look good when he needed to? Did he just shine around others when the time was right and then go back to living another way? No, we know that from the text we just read that verse 5 tells us he was manifested to take away our sins and in him there is no sin. So how did the one with no sin walk? Jesus understood this concept. The concept that I want us to think about today. Practicing righteousness. Verse 7, excuse me, says, He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. 
This morning, I want us to consider the question, what are you practicing? Practice is important, wouldn't you say? But not everyone thinks that it is. Practice, the word in verse 7, means to make ready or to prepare or to construct or, and I like these two definitions, to form or fashion. In 2001, Allen Iverson, a professional uh, who was a professional basketball player, he's now retired, he played for the Philadelphia 76ers and was called out by his coach, Larry Brown, after the first round loss to the Boston Celtics. The coach said this in his uh, after-the-game interview. He said, Iverson has to attend practice like the rest of the team, which followed by this statement from Allen Iverson. We're sitting here, and I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're talking about practice. I mean, listen, we're sitting here talking about practice. Not the game, not the game, we're talking about practice. Not the game that I go out there and die for and play every game like it's my last, but we're talking about practice, man. How silly is that? Is practice really silly? Think about it in sports. Think about it when it comes to school. What about your homework? You know, I used to hate doing homework. And it's a wonder why I was able to even pass any of my tests, right? Because I never did my homework. I would always have somebody else do my homework for me, which is terrible. Children do not follow that method. Do your homework. But think about these quotes when it comes to the concept of practice. Practice does not make perfect. Only perfect practice makes perfect. I like that one, right? Vince Lombardi. Think about this one. Practice daily because the quality of your practice determines the caliber of your performance. Isn't that one true? And what about this one? Good players practice until they get it right. Great players practice until they never get it wrong. That's an awesome one. They never get it wrong. Do we as Christians understand the concept of practice and what it means for our spiritual lives? See, a Christian lives a life, if you're a child of God, a Christian lives a life that is totally different from their former life. Amen? If you are a child of God, you should not be living the same way that you lived before you became a Christian. But that takes practice, doesn't it? I'm not saved and then I just stop and it's good enough and then one day I'll be in heaven. No, we have to continue to strive to do what we're supposed to do. See, here's the question. Are we practicing, are we forming, are we fashioning our spiritual lives to be righteous? Or are we doing, as John says, practicing the works of the devil? 
See, there's no middle ground. Early on in 1 John chapter 1, and we studied this, John talks about the concept of light and darkness. Which one are you? There's no medium. There's no in the middle. There's no gray. It's either light or you're dark. And now he brings this really strong concept up to the front. He says either you're a child of God or a child of the devil. Wow. Think about this as we begin. Romans chapter 6 verse 19. Paul says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanliness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. As a Christian, we should be transforming. We should be changing. How does that happen? Well, it happens in our minds, doesn't it? It happens in our emotions. It happens in our will. What does Romans chapter 12 verse 2 tell us? It tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Changing the way we think and acting and doing the things that God asks us to do and tells us to do. See, when we renew our mind, the rest of the verse says that we prove what is good and acceptable, perfect will that God has for all of us. But not only does it transform our minds, but it gives us a new way to live. It creates a new attitude. Brethren, are you excited to be a Christian or does it even matter to you? Just be real about it. Are you excited to be called a child of God like we talked about last week? Or is that the furthest thing on your mind when you wake up in the morning? We should have a new attitude because we are important. We have a responsibility. We have an obligation that, you know what, if I don't talk to anybody today, I'm still going to serve God with the right heart. I'm still going to serve God with the right mind. I'm going to spend time in prayer. I'm going to spend time in study. I'm going to spend time doing the things that are pleasing to God, not to men. I have a new attitude. I have new motives. My motives aren't like they used to be. What are my motives now dedicated towards? Being pleasing to God. The things that I do, the way that I do them, the way that I come in contact and act towards people is way different than it used to be. Hey, I know what, I know one thing. When I used to not be a Christian and somebody said something to me out of the way, hateful or disrespectful, you better believe I was about to say something right back to them the same way. Probably a little bit worse. Because I'm going to try and pick a fight. But not as a child of God. I take that upon myself and I say, you know what? Maybe they're having a bad day. Have you ever had a bad day, brethren? Have you ever had a day where it just didn't seem to go right? I mean, I have those not all the time, but sometimes. And what I have to be careful of is when Aaron or Isaac or Libby come and talk to me that I'm not disrespectful to them. I'm not meaning to be, but I'm probably distracted, right? 
But as a child of God, I have new motives. I have a new way of thinking. I have a new attitude. I have new longings. What do I long and what do I desire for? I don't long and desire to have a big uh, mansion on the hill with 17 Lamborghinis sitting in the front. No, I long to be in heaven one day. I long to be with the Lord. I long to be with the Savior. How about you? I long to be with those who I love, who have passed on from this life, who are going to be with the Lord one day. See, I have new loves now. I love different things. I don't love those same things that I used to love when I wasn't a Christian. And I hate things that I used to not hate when I was a Christian. And one of those things is sin. I'm not going to be a part of it. I don't want to live that way anymore because I love the Lord so much. My goals have changed. Everything about my life is different. Brethren, if you're sitting here and you're not in this mind frame, what is the problem? What's the disconnect? Let me encourage you with this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, whoever, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. What about that? Does that change you? It doesn't matter if you've messed up today. It doesn't matter if you've messed up last night, if you said something that you weren't supposed to do. Are you asking for forgiveness and moving on? Do we have new behaviors? Can people tell that you're a child of God? Have you, as Colossians 3 verses 2 and 3 said, set your mind on things above? not on things on the earth? Do you realize that you've died and your life is hidden in Christ? What about this one? And have you put on that new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him? Am I striving to be and know how to live like God more and more every day in my life? Well, you can tell it by the way you act at work. You can tell it by the way that you interact with your family. You can tell it by the way that you interact with your friends. And brethren, you can tell it by the way we interact with each other. Do we really love each other? Are we really concerned about each other? We got a lot of things going on, and I'm just going to say this. If you aren't a part of this, ladies, please be a part of it. This ministry where we bring food to people, it is a blessing. It changes people's lives. Just a small amount of food. You know what? I'm this type of person. I don't really want to have food brought to me because I feel like I'm going to be a burden to somebody else. But you know what? I've changed my mind on that. If I'm hurting, if I'm struggling, please bring me food because of the joy that I see on your face. That's real. That's Christianity. New motives, new ways to live. I don't do it because I need a pat on my back. I do it because I serve a God who loves me and I'm going to be with him one day. Because he thought I was that important. He thought I was that important. 
I want us to think about three things. What keeps us from practicing the way that we should? If someone says to you that I'm a Christian, but don't expect to see any change in the way that I live, what in the world would we think about that person? <laughs> you know, I'm, gonna, I'm a Christian, but don't expect me to change anything that's happening in my life. I'm going to live the same way. What would we think of that person? We would think, that person don't understand the concept of being a Christian, right? That person doesn't understand, in what we're talking about right now, uh, the understanding of practicing righteousness, forming and fashioning their life to be better and better, to be more righteous. John, under inspiration, is very clear on explaining how you can tell the difference between a child of God and a child of the devil. I mean, he pulls it right out. He doesn't candy coat it. He doesn't hide it. He just brings it right out. You're either a child of God or you're a child of the devil. Now, brethren, I can't answer for you. What are we? A Christian is one who is being transformed more and more every day. See, a Christian is very different from when they obeyed the gospel, amen? Think about when you obeyed the gospel. Think about your knowledge spiritually. Have you grown from that point? Now think about this. A child of God is very different from what they were a month ago. How much have you grown in a month spiritually? Have you got some new concepts that you've been studying? Have you been uh, doing some word searches in the Bible to see how you could grow spiritually? Or does that just not even matter? Is it irrelevant? Because I got work, man. I got stuff I got to do, Matt. Come on, brother. I'm here. We talked about it in Bible class this morning. To just throw up the sacrifice, to just do the thing and check the box, ain't gonna cut it. God wants you fully engaged in Him. Is that where we're at? Because why does He want us in that place? Why does He want our attitude? Why does He want our focus to be on Him? Because He will take you places where you never thought you could go. He'll create a life of, of, of blessings for you, for blessings for other people, and it will just continue to flourish more and more. But is that us? Or have we leveled off? You know, they used to talk about it in basketball. We would see uh, boys playing, and I'd hear the high school coaches talking about uh, the junior high boys, and they say, oh, he's about to peak. He's, he's as far as he can go. He's not going to be able to do any more than that. Is that where we're at? God will never allow you to peak. You will always grow. You will always be better. You will always be stronger. He wants you to be like him. <laughs> I'm not close, are you? i got a lot of growing to do. And I'm thankful for that. I got a lot of things to strive to be more and more like, more long-suffering, more forgiving, 
more gracious, more kind, more loving. So many athletes are equal in talent. But what separates those close in ability? What's the separation right there? It's the way they practice. It's the dedication to the game. How dedicated are we to being a Christian? Think about what verse 9 says. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. Wow. Now, we all know that we're going to sin, right? 1 John 1.8 says that if we say that we have no sin, then what do we do? We deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But we have sinned. And we will sin again. But God has fixed that problem, didn't he? He fixed it on a cross. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But children of God don't practice sin any longer. They don't continue to live in a pattern of sin. Now, be real honest with yourself right now. Be real honest with yourself right now. Are you following a pattern of sin? Or are you too blinded to even see it? Are you doing what God wants you to do in your life? Or are you just doing it just because you got to? And just doing it half-heartedly? Just doing it because you know that's what mom and daddy said to do and I'm really sick of it, but I know I got to do it. Or are you dedicating your life to wash away these sins and live for him? Do we understand the pattern of righteousness? Do Christians sin? Yes. But ask yourself this, do Christians have to sin? Yes. No, no, I don't have to sin, do I? I'm going to sin. I'm going to mess up. But is that an excuse? No. Because every sin that I'm faced with, every temptation that's put in front of me, what do I have the ability to do? To say, nope, not today. Because I got new motives. I serve a God that loves me. I got a new attitude. You ain't going to trap me like you used to, Satan. Not like you did from the beginning. You've been a slickster from the beginning. You thought you was better than everybody else. And look at how you fell. Not today. I got new goals in my life. I'm not going to just stay complacent. I'm not going to become a procrastinator. I'm going to live and I'm going to be excited more and more every day. And people are going to know it because I'm not ashamed. Think about Paul. Think about Peter. Think about the things that these apostles were faced with. And, And despite all of it, they were so excited 
to preach the name of Jesus. Why? Because they saw him. They knew who he was. They knew what he did. And they wanted people to be saved. Do we, Christians, children of God, do Christians sin? Yes. But do Christians have to? No. See, three points and the lesson will be yours. A Christian who has made a covenant with the Lord to be his servant should understand this, that they never want to commit sin because it is lawlessness. Breaking the law of God. Now we're going to get into the text for just a minute. My favorite place to be. Look at verse 4. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. Brethren, do we still rebel against the Lord in sinning? Or do we submit to His command? Brethren, do we hate the law of the Lord really still because it's contrary to what we really want to do? Or do we love it? Do we despise the commandments of the Lord or do we cherish them? Here's how you know it. Is this you, brethren? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Do you cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God in your mind? Do you bring every thought into captivity and you say, No, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to be obedient to Christ. I'm not going to say something slick back. I'm not going to say something crazy or disrespectful back to that person. No, I'm going to love them. I'm going to do something that they'll never expect. I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to bring you some food tomorrow. What you like for lunch? See, I don't despise the commandments of the Lord anymore as a child of God. No, I cherish them. And see, when that happens, what happens to the way that I live? Sin becomes irrelevant in my life. Sin becomes less and less because it's not important to me because what now becomes important is serving God. You remember what Matthew uh, 7.23 says when Jesus is talking about those who actually do God's will. What does he declare to those who say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy and do all these mighty works in your name? Didn't we do what you said that we were supposed to do? And what does Jesus reply back? I never knew you. Depart from me. Who's going to depart from him? Those who practice lawlessness. Brethren, please. Don't leave out of here without contemplating and thinking about the things that are going on in your life. This is for real. This is not a game. If you are living in sin, you are a lawless person. You don't even want to submit to God's will. You don't want to do the things that he's asked you to do because you don't care. But one day, you're going to stand before the Lord because we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Amen? And when we stand before him, we're going to say, Lord, didn't I do those things? And he's going to say, I never knew who you were. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. A Christian who has made a covenant with the Lord to be his servant should never, 
commit to sin because it is against the law of God and because it's against the work of Christ. Think about what the Bible says in verse 5 in 1 John chapter 3. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. But he who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. If he came to take away our sins, to become sin for us, how can we possibly continue to practice the same sins he died for? Isn't that disrespectful? To the utmost degree. He was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. He lived a perfect life He was sinless in all that he did because he wanted to destroy these things that snare us and keep us down and allow us to not grow. Because of Jesus, we've been raised to walk in newness of life. How could we just treat that as some common thing? That's why we should not sin. Amen? Because it goes totally against the work of Christ. The third thing. A Christian who has made a covenant with the Lord to be his servant should never want to commit sin because it is against the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 9. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin because he has been born of God. The Holy Spirit is the one who plants new life and generates and regenerates. Amen? Think about that. We are born of the Spirit, aren't we, brethren? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. Since you've purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. We looked at this verse last week. Having been born again, how were we born again? Not of a corruptible seed, but an incorruptible one. And what is that seed? Through the Word of God. It lives and abides forever. See, verse 9 in in 1 John chapter 3 says, And he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Why is that? Because the seed remains in him. Brethren, how much word is in you? How many verses do you go to when you're struggling? How many verses do you got that you think about and you contemplate when you're struggling with sin? Do you have those lined up? 
Do you have those things fixed in your life so when you're faced with those temptations or those struggles that you go to it and it brings you comfort? Brethren, if you don't, oh, I pray that it becomes who you are. Brethren, I plead with you that this is something that becomes your life because it will change you. For his seed remains in him and he cannot sin. Why? Because I don't want to. I don't want to sin. You remember in the parable of the seeds, Jesus says this, but he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. Is that us, brethren? What's your soil look like? Is it deep? Has it got a bunch of rocks in it? Has it got a bunch of thorns in it? Or is it soft? Is it worked? Is it cleaned out? Is it watered? Luke says it this way. But the ones that fell on the good ground, let this be your verse this week, brethren. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those having heard the word with a noble and good heart. How's your heart this morning? Is it good? Is it noble? Well, if it is, then you'll keep it and you're going to bear fruit. How? With patience. Man, God wants us to be successful in our lives. Why do we miss the opportunity to apply it so we can be successful? As we close this morning, I want us to think about verse 10. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest, made known. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Man, that's scary. How you living, brother? How you living, sister? The Bible tells us that if we are not practicing righteousness, if we're gossiping about one another, if we've got hate in our heart towards somebody else, we ain't proving ourselves to be a child of God. We're proving ourselves to be a child of the devil. He who practices righteousness is righteous just like Jesus, verse 7. But he who does not practice righteousness is not of God. What's your pattern this morning? Romans 6, verse 16 says this. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey? whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Hey, you know what? You can live a sinful life. You can block this lesson out. You can block the Bible out. You can hate all the Christians that try to talk to you because you think they're talking bad about you all the time. You can live a life that's leading to death, but boy, you're going to miss out. Brethren, don't be that way. Be tenderhearted towards one another. Love each other. Let's grow more and more. Let's find more opportunities to talk to others about the hope that's within us. 
Here it is, brethren. Practice daily. Because the quality of your practice determines the caliber of your performance. If you're doing the works of Satan, it'll be known. But if you're doing the works of righteousness, oh, what a blessing you are to somebody else. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling. Maybe you're here today and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. That's okay. Now's the time. You can fix it, repent, ask for forgiveness. If you're a child of God and he'll forgive you of that sin, turn from it and turn towards him. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. But maybe there's somebody in the audience today that is not a child of God. Think about it. Think about what could happen if Jesus Christ came back today and you stood before the Almighty. What you would say to him. When you had the opportunity to be saved and you chose not to, this free gift, he gave his son's life for you. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Ananias told Paul, God has big plans for you, man. So what are you waiting on? Acts twenty-two sixteen. arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Today, friend, call on his name. Be immersed in water for the remission of your sins and be added to his family. Whatever you need, come right now. Together we stand.